God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for all you've done. And God, we are excited about all you are going to do this year at our church. And so we, uh, we just give you thanks and we give you praise in advance for all that you are going to do in this church in 2019. God, be with us today as we continue talking about the foundations that we're built on at this church, the direction that you have us going, the, the, the leadership as we follow you, we follow your spirit. Would you just continue to guide us this morning? We love you. Would you speak through me? Would the words that come out of my mouth not be just simply my words, would they be your words for your people on your day? God, we are here for you and for nothing else. And so, God, we, we give you praise, we give you thanks, we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are in week two of our Rooted series, just talking about who we are, why we are that, <laughs> and why it's important that we're about those things. And so uh, we, we believe here at Fresno First Church that we are called to do three things, connect, grow, and serve. Last week, we talked about connect, connecting people with people. Connect is connecting people with people. Grow, connecting people with God. Serve is connecting God to the world. These are the three things that we feel like God has, has guided our leadership of the church. Our board is, has, has decided this is where God wants to take us. I think this is, this is nothing new either. Like we said last week, this is straight out of the, the early church. This is straight out of Acts 2. They met together in their homes. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And, and if anybody had need... They took care of the need. They were a church who connected, who grew, and who served. And this is, this is the model that we are going after. We believe this is where God is leading us. And so last week, we talked about connect, connecting people with people. And we talked about uh, it's more than just, just breaking down barriers and more than just the intimacy that we've been talking about previously. It's about being one. It's about being united as a body of believers. It's about, about going and chasing after the same things. The, in Scripture... It's pretty clear what happens when we are one, right? Paul prays it in Romans chapter 15. Jesus prays it in John chapter 17. We pray that we would be one. And why? First of all, so that the world would know that we are his disciples. This is John chapter 17. Jesus prays, may they be one, Father, as you and I are one. Why? So that the world may know that they are my disciples. Romans chapter 15. The prayer of Paul on his people. May you be one. May you be of one heart and one mind. May you have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had toward one another. So that with one voice and with one mind, you may glorify your God in heaven. That the world may know that you are my disciples. And John chapter 17, the world may know that Jesus was sent by God for the world. Our unity. When we're talking about connect this year, we're going to be talking a lot about unity and the unity of the church, the, the unity of believers, the, the coming together of the believers, that we might be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one, so that the world may know. So this week, we're going to our, to our second. We're going to grow. We're going to move from connect 
and we're going to move to grow. There is always a scripture that comes to mind when I think about grow in Matthew chapter 22. You don't necessarily need to go there. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I think actually as last year maybe as I was talking about grow, we used that scripture. It talked about kind of our, our spiritual core muscles. How do we strengthen our spiritual core? How do we love the Lord our God with all of our heart? How do we love the Lord our God with all of our mind? How do we love the Lord our God with all of our strength? And how do we grow in each of those things? That's, that was kind of our, our direction last year as we went. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I want to I look at maybe a different scripture this morning. <clears throat> a, different, a different kind of focus. I want to focus on another passage as we talk about grow this year because this, this imagery in my mind as I've been thinking about this year and I've been thinking about where we go this year and how, how do we pursue God, how do we grow in Christ this year. The image that just keeps coming back into my mind is maturing into the image of Christ. Maturing into the image of Christ that each and every single one of us would mature into the image of Christ, as Jesus Christ is our foundation individually and as a church, that we would mature into the image of Christ. And so, so really this week, as I've been getting ready for this, as I've been preparing for, for, for speaking this morning, as I've been preparing the message for this morning, this, this image has just been coming back, back to mind and maturing into the image of Christ. What does it look like to mature into the image of Christ? And this scripture just kept hitting me, just like I had one last week that was just hitting me over and over and over again. This week, that scripture that kept hitting me over and over and over again was Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. If you want to go there, that's where we're going to be spending some time this morning. We're going to be kind of just in Romans this morning, but we're our, our kind of home base, if you will, is Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It's probably familiar to some of you. Some of you might even have this verse memorized. If you do, that's great. If you don't, I encourage you to try. Uh, it's going to be kind of something we talk about this year as we talk about, uh, about grow. <clears throat> and so I just want to, I'm going to start. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. And he starts with a word. That means you can only read one word because you have to know what it means, right? He says, therefore, if you know me, you know I like to ask this question. What's the therefore? Therefore. Why? What is he talking about? Therefore what? 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 How, where, where are we basing what Paul is talking about here? So, and, and really, I mean, usually it's right before that. Usually it's pretty simple. You can just go kind of the paragraph before that and, and you say therefore. But the paragraph before that is a prayer. It's kind of the end of a thought for Paul. And so there's a lot of people who believe that this therefore here in Romans chapter 12 is really talking about Romans chapter 1 through 11. It's the whole thing. And what is Romans? Romans, is, Romans chapter 1 through 11 is really the gospel. I mean, you go back to the beginning, Romans chapter 1, and I'll just kind of walk you through. You don't really, if you want to follow, you can. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God, he's kind of painting this picture. This is who God is. God has been since the creation of the world. All right, he moves on. And again, we're going to move quickly through Romans here. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Some of you may know this one as well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Again, he's talking about 
the gospel here. This is Jesus. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory. But Jesus, this is the gospel. He keeps moving into Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, I could read pretty much all of this morning and, and make the point that I'm trying to make. That this early Romans, Romans chapter 1 through 11, is the gospel. Right? Romans chapter 6, we'll, we'll say this. <laughs> we'll just start with a little bit here. Let's see. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, verse 11, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 14, for sin no longer shall be your master because you're not under the law but under grace. Verse 18, you've been set free from sin. You've become slaves to righteousness. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's talking about sin. He's talking about salvation. Chapter 8 is all about this imagery of Christ in you, of us becoming children of God. Verse 31 is one that you'll recognize. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those who God whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, Romans 1 through 10, 1 through 11 is all about salvation. It's about the gospel. This is the story. This is, this is God. God who has been here from the beginning. Sin is also in the picture. But God, out of his great mercy, out of his great love, gave his son Jesus Christ for you and I so that we might be called children of God. So that Christ might be in you and in me. So therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, back to chapter 12 now, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a pleasing sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This scripture has been in my mind all week as I've been thinking about grow and how do we push towards growth in Christ this year here at our church. This imagery of renewing our mind has been just over and over in here. But I, I want to I just, just go through this piece by, piece by piece. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies 
as a living sacrifice. See, when, when Christ is in you, which is what Paul has said in the first 11 chapters of Romans, when we, when we commit to that, when we commit to that growth, uh, to, this, to this growth that he is calling us to, some things are going to happen. See, our hearts, as we commit to this, as we commit to growth, as Christ is in us, our hearts are given in worship. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. See, there's a, there's a fundamental transfer that happens when Christ becomes in you. When you, when you say yes to his calling, when you say yes to Christ, and you begin this journey towards maturing into the image of Christ, there is a fundamental transfer that happens inside of you because no longer are we worshiping things, are we chasing things that are just for you and just for me. We are now pursuing, we're now chasing, we're now going for everything that God is calling us to. What was once dominated by a sinful nature is now dominated by Christ in us. There is a fundamental change inside of us. And this is what 12.1 is setting up here. There, because of this fundamental change that has happened in your life, because you are no longer just, just you. You are a child of God. Christ is in you. You have been saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. You have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ. There is a, there's a, there's a command to avoid the pattern of this world. Right? Because of this fundamental switch that happens in your life. There is no longer, a, 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 there's no longer a desire. Well, there's a desire, but there's no longer uh, <clears throat> this, this feeling that I have to just chase things that are just for me. Instead, I want, I want to chase everything that is of God because I'm going to allow the Spirit of Christ who is in me to guide and to direct my life. This is, this is what 12.1 setting up here. It says, don't, sorry, 12.2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I want to just, just focus on that sentence. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a, a few different translations. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. One of my favorite translations of this passage is the Message Bible. Here's what the Message Bible says. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. This is a, this is a command. Stop living according to the world. And I think what we miss sometimes is this command is, is primarily about changing behaviors. See, as we grow in likeness, as we mature into the image of Christ, there are obviously some behaviors that need to change. But if all we're doing is exchanging kind of a set of, of immoral behaviors for a set of moral behaviors, we're missing the point. It's deeper than that. Its roots are much deeper than that. I think one of the most depressing passages in, in all of Scripture is also found in Romans. Romans chapter 1. If you want to go back there, Romans chapter 1. I want to just read this with you. It's actually immediately following the verse that I read this morning. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. 
But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. This, this passage, it's not a really encouraging passage. It's not one that you read and you're like, man, I just feel like God is just super encouraging me through this passage. <laughs> it's not one of those that you just walk away and you feel bubbly for the rest of the day. It's not, it's not one of those. But this is an important passage, I think. Because it does give us a clear picture of, of how our worship and, and really the, the core of who we are, our spiritual core, affects who we are. I mean, there's a, there's a progression here. There's a progression that happens in this passage. And really, it's about disorder, right? There's a, there's a disordered worship here, right? They, they know God, but they're not worshiping God. They're not glorifying God. Right, verse, verse 21 said they didn't glorify him. Verse 25 says they're, they're worshiping other things. Right, there, is a, there is a disorder in the worship here. There's, this, is not a, this is not a right worship. There's disordered thought here. There's disordered worship. There's disordered thought. They, they knew God, but it didn't change anything. They knew God, but it didn't change anything. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth, of, uh, the truth about God for a lie. Right, there was these, there's these thoughts that are now disordered, which leads to disordered behavior. Right, their, their, their behavior that, that flows from their worship and from their thinking is, is not right. It gives them over to their sinful desires. They begin to serve created things rather than a creator. I mean, this, in a nutshell, is the pattern of this world. That's really what this is. The world is going to call us to worship some other things. And whether we know it or not, sometimes we get caught up in that worship. We worship things like power and fame and money and all these different things that, that take higher precedence in our lives than God. Can I just tell you just a quick thing real quick? If there is anything in your life that is more important, that takes more precedence than God in your life, you are worshiping the wrong thing. And this verse, 21, though they knew God, they neither glorified God or gave thanks. I hope and I pray that that is not talking about you and me this morning. But this is, this is the pattern. We, we begin to worship other things. Our thoughts begin to deviate from the thoughts of God. The, we begin to, to not follow the direction of the Spirit that God has placed in each and every one of us. We begin to, this, the behavior that flows out of this disordered worship and this disordered thought is not a behavior that honors God. This is the pattern of this world. And, and Paul says, don't conform to this pattern. Don't be conformed to this pattern. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love this word transformed in Romans 12. This, this word, be transformed, is literally the same word as the transfiguration in the Gospels. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed from the inside out. Be, be different, right? Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when, when we let the, the person of Christ and the truth of Christ and the mission of Christ, it, and when we let that shape and direct each and every one of our thoughts, we begin to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does this look like? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Take every thought captive, not just not some thoughts captive, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. How? That's kind of the question of the morning, right? How? So don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? I think the, the first thing we need to do is we need to, to submit our lives to the Spirit of Christ, which is within us. To not try and live on our own and just do it on our own. To not try and just guide and direct our own lives, but to follow the leadership of God whose spirit is within you if you're a believer this morning. We need to submit ourselves to the spirit. See, this, this transformation that happens, this transfiguration that happens at, from the, with the renewing of your mind, that is not something that you do. There's not a book that you can read. There is not like a how-to, there's not a YouTube video on, on how to renew my mind. How, how, do I, how, do I, how do I become transformed by the renewing of my mind? You can look that up on YouTube. It's not there. There's not a how-to video. There's not like a five-step program. This is not something that you do. This is something that God does within you. God is the one who renews your mind. God is the one who transforms you by that renewing of your mind. We need to submit ourselves to the spirit within us. We need to submit ourselves to the leadership, the guidance, the direction of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is kind of the first thing. We need to submit ourselves to the spirit of Christ who is in you. Well, then what? If I'm submitted, how do I, how do I know? What are, what are some things that I can do to, to, to help? What are some of the things that I can do? And, and help me to, to know what the Spirit is saying to me. If I'm submitting to the Spirit, how do I know where the Spirit is leading me? How do I know how the Spirit is guiding me? How do I follow, this, how do I follow the Spirit of God? Well, we need to be in the Word. We need to be students of this book. I said there's not a book that tells you how. There's a book that can help, though. It's right here. We need to be students of this word. To be able to understand and to know where the Spirit of God is calling you, we need to understand and know the character of the Spirit within us. And that happens by reading this book. That happens by not just reading this book, but being a student of this book, knowing this book. I give this example a lot, but if there was a, before I met my wife, before I started dating my wife, if someone was to come up and just give me like a book that had everything I ever wanted to know about my wife, 
You know how fast I would read that book? I would just devour that book. I would pull all-nighters just reading this book so I could know the person that I want to become my wife. I, I would be all about this book. See, we, we have this book in terms of our relationship with God. We believe that this book contains all things necessary to our salvation. We believe that this book contains everything that we need to know about the character and the likeness of God. That as we mature into that likeness and into that character of God, everything we need is right here. But we need to follow the direction of the Spirit. How do we know what the Spirit is saying? Because we know the God whose Spirit lives within us. If you've been in a relationship for a while, you know there are some conversations that happen without even talking. It's a look, and you know. That doesn't just happen on day one. That doesn't happen because there's a, there's a manual on my wife. It doesn't happen. It happens because we've, we've built a relationship. And I know what she's thinking, and she knows what I'm thinking. Because we know each other. Because we've grown in relationship to each other. How do we know what the Spirit is saying? We we build this relationship. We get into the Word. The other thing we do is we pray. Amen. Prayer is just a really interesting thing to me. And here's why. Maybe, maybe this is a thought you've had before too. We worship a God who created everything. Who breathed out stars. And formed you in His hand who said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be an expanse between the, the, the sky and the water. Let it be called sky. Let there be water and land. Let there be all of this stuff. And this same God who created all of this desires that you would come to him in prayer. just blows my mind. The God who created everything, the God who, who, who we worship, wants to hear from you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to hear your thoughts. He wants to hear your needs. He wants to hear what you have to say to him. And he, he wants it. He desires it. All right, that blows my mind that prayer is something that God desires. And, and sometimes we just, we don't do it. I, don't, I think we don't do it because we don't understand it. We don't understand that, look, like this, this same God who created everything wants to listen to you and to me. It might feel like sometimes our words are hitting the ceiling on the way up. They're not. God hears every single word. In fact, he knows them before we speak them. God wants us to speak with him. We need to be in the word. We need to be in prayer. Here's what else happens. As we pray, God speaks to us. And we learn how to listen. We learn how to hear his voice. Right, there was a, there's a story of a, of a grandpa and a grandson who were in, who in this grandpa's garage. And they're, they're listening to the radio, and this grandpa's listening to a baseball game on the radio. And all the son hears the whole time is just static. And the grandson looks at the grandpa and he says, Grandpa, 
How, do you, how can you hear this game through all the static? How do you even keep track of what's going on? And the grandpa said, I've been listening to this game on this station for so long that I don't even hear the static anymore. Sometimes I think that's, that's like our prayer. Some of us might say, Man, how, do you, how do you hear God's voice? How do you know that God is speaking to you? And I think the answer is, once you pray on the same station for the same time, the static doesn't make sense anymore. What you hear is the voice of God, and you know you hear the voice of God. You worship, you pray, you read your scriptures. And as we do, I love the end of, of, cha- of that passage in chapter 12. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you were to, to just think of what it means and what it looks like to mature into the image of Christ, knowing and understanding God's will for your life is a big piece for that. How do we know and understand what God's will is for our lives? We become transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Spirit of God within us moves and speaks and acts and transforms us as we follow Him. And as we do that, we find ourselves centered in the will of God. See, this is what it means to grow, to mature into the likeness of Christ, to to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God, to allow Him to transform our mind, that the thoughts that we think and the direction we move is not based on anything that, that that we desire, that we need, but it's based on God's desire and God's direction in our lives and God leading us to go where he wants us to go. This year, we've got a lot of opportunities for you to grow. Small groups is a big part of that. I want you to join a small group if you've never been in a small group. That's just diving in with a group of other believers and saying, I want to grow. Let's grow together. There's no better way to connect and to grow at one time than small groups. We've got a thing coming up in April called Secret Church. It's about prayer and fasting this year, right? Come to that. It's going to be a great time of just growth. We've got our grow groups that happen every month in which we all read a book together and we all dive in and we dialogue about what is this book saying? How do I, how do I implement this in my life? How is this book asking me to change? And to, to, how is this book shaping me? There there are always opportunities to grow. Always opportunities to go deeper in your relationship with God. And that's what we want at the church. We want your mind to be transformed. We want your mind to be renewed. But it doesn't just happen because you want it to. It happens as you submit to the Spirit of God which is in you. And as you follow his direction, you follow his lead, you follow his guidance, you find yourselves in the will of God. You find yourselves maturing into the image of God. That's my hope. That's my prayer for you this year at Fresno First Church as we grow. Let's connect. Let's grow. And let's talk about serving next week. Let's pray. God.
We love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise for who you are, for all you do. God, I just, I, I pray this morning over 2019, over the people in this room, with the people at this church, as we just pursue you, as we endeavor together to grow more, to mature into the likeness of Christ individually, collectively, as a church. We want to grow. God, would you challenge us this year? Would you convict us this year? Would you shape us this year? Would you guide us and direct us this year? At the, at the, at the end of 2019, would we look more like you? Would we say, yes, I've matured more into the image of Christ than I was on January 13th of 2019? God, we want to grow. God, we give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Uh, and as we, as we end every service, I just ask that you would hold out your hands. If you're, if you're new, if you're first time, it feels a little awkward. I just want to pray a blessing over you, if you would allow me to do that. So, may our God, God of grace and peace and love and joy, may he challenge you and shape you, guide you, direct you, May he help you mature more into the image of Christ this week even. Would you learn to hear his voice? And would you follow his guide this week? Go in peace and make a difference wherever you may find yourself. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning.